Hello, and welcome to Kroll Security Concepts Podcast, the podcast where Kroll security experts discuss the more prevalent topics in today's risk environment. The topic for today's discussion is the virtualization of corporate security. Even before the onset of the work-from-home COVID-19 response, we were seeing corporations, both large and small, augmenting their cyber and physical security programs through embedded or outsourced security functions. We are also seeing an increased demand for the security training and even assessments that are more hands-off in nature to limit visitors into the workspace and provide training in a manageable, socially distant format. Today, we have several special guests joining the podcast to discuss the many elements of this emerging virtual corporate security department. We brought people in from both our cyber and our security risk management division. Michael Miora is a managing director in the cyber risk practice of Kroll based in Los Angeles. He leverages over four decades of experience in building security products and designing go-to-market campaigns for products including automated business continuity planning software, anti-spam protection, and security awareness and training programs for financial, healthcare, communications, pharmaceutical, and medical devices companies. Nick Doyle, from our London office, runs the EMEA practice for security risk management. He's a former police officer and soldier and has been with Kroll for over 13 years. In that time, he has managed over 600 projects in over 70 countries. He has a wealth of experience supporting multi-sector clients through all of their risk management needs. Rafael Lopez is an Associate Managing Director and Regional Leader in the Security Risk Management Practice based in our Mexico City office. He is a security expert with more than 15 years of international experience in project management, physical security, security design, risk assessment and management, travel security protocols, and crisis management response. So, gentlemen, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for uh, hosting this uh, very important topic today. Thank you, Jeff. It's uh, great to be on the uh, on the podcast. Thank you very much, Jeff, for inviting us. Great. So each of you is on this podcast today because you have either directly performed these services or managed personnel that perform them. We want to discuss a bit about the need for these virtual roles from a financial and a social distancing standpoint as part of this podcast. Uh, I think we'll start with the two big ones, the virtual security management roles that we see quite often, and that's the virtual security director and the virtual chief information security officer, or CISO. So, Nick, where, where are you seeing the greatest demand for this virtual service? Is it more the full security director position that we're posting or really just support for a security director where we're seeing the virtual security director services going? That's a good question, Jeff. Uh, I believe the answer is both. We, we're seeing organizations with either no security manager as well as those with security managers reaching out to Kroll for advice and guidance. I think part of the reason is that where there are security teams or where there were security teams or security departments, but due to the uh, economic impacts and challenges associated with COVID-19, those teams are no longer there. And therefore, the knowledge library uh, within those organizations has been minimized to some extent. So you, you know, many organizations could have lost several or more people from their security teams. Excellent. Now, Raphael, I know for you uh, in Central South America region, the region that you're responsible for, you've always had a heavy presence of embedded security directors and managers. 
you know, what trends are you seeing? Are you seeing more demand for it today? Yes, it is very interesting how uh, the COVID-19 situation has changed a company's mentality regarding virtual services. Uh, Latin America, it's been a difficult region se uh, regarding virtual services because uh, fraud is an everyday matter here. So companies, they don't trust very much when you talk about virtual services. However, uh, the COVID-19 situation has made companies uh, th rethink how uh, they will approach the security necessities they have uh, also by reducing the costs. Having a virtual security manager is less expensive than actually hiring one, specifically because of all the regulations required in Latin America for hiring someone in a company. So it is very interesting that now all companies are open to experiment these new virtual services. Yeah, I know we've seen a lot of demand for it. And I know previously we've seen a lot of demand in your region, but we're seeing it across the globe now. Everybody's having to cut back a bit. Um, the COVID-19 financial impact is obvious and the security departments, whether they be information security or physical security, are seeing some of those cutbacks and needing some of this support. And, and that's where we're really here to talk about today. As we're speaking to information security, I want to kind of move over to that side and speak to Michael a bit. When companies are looking for that virtual chief information security officer or CISO, what typically spurs the need for this outside expertise? That's a very big question and a very good one. Uh, I think that uh, we can categorize the a motivation of companies to find a virtual CISO in probably three different groups. The first is that the companies decided to embark on some new business venture or some new kind of product or service that puts them under the umbrella of some regulation or law that requires them to have a CISO, but they don't have one. So they have to go out and get one. And typically it's much more effective to find a seasoned V virtual CISO then try to find one you can hire and, uh, and bring on board. That usually takes many months, whereas uh, they come to us, we can give them a, a seasoned professional in, in weeks, not months. So that's, that's one reason, probably the first one, probably the most common. The second one is that uh, they're getting interest from the board or senior management, uh, asking them, so what's our security like? How do we compare to others? Uh, how mature are we in our security program? And most internal CISOs don't have access to the tools and technologies or have the resources to go collect that information, do the analysis, and present it. Never mind that most CISOs don't speak the language of business. They speak the language of technology. So when they present to the board of directors or to senior management, uh, they talk technology instead of business. They talk things like MTBF, which means nothing to the board. Board doesn't want to know about things like that. So uh, they're looking for somebody to come in who speaks the language of business and provides a security context so that they can, they meaning the security team or the IT team or the company, can present to the board of directors in a meaningful and successful way. The third is a little different. Third is... Um, Companies have either experienced a breach, thought there was a breach, or are very afraid that something is going on that might be a breach. And so they uh, engage uh, uh, some sort of incident response or forensic work 
And regardless of how that turns out, whether there is a breach or not, they say, oh my goodness, we need somebody to help us protect ourselves so that if something happens, we're in a better position to recognize an issue that's coming up before it becomes a fire. And that's the third kind of a thing that uh, a virtual CISO can do that oftentimes the internal person doesn't have the time or resources to accomplish. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, everybody has their skill sets and they have need in some point to really have somebody come in and, and augment those skill sets or personnel or even technology that they might not have access to. Michael, as you've kind of stepped in and done this virtual CISO work, what have you seen? Give us some details on some of the challenges you've encountered when you have to step in and fill this role. It's a, it's, it's a funny kind of a thing. Usually the internal head of security, whether he or she has that specific title or not, uh, is involved in selecting us and bringing us in. And so there's very little friction. There's very, there's very little pushback. However, some of the people on staff, they look at outsiders and say, what makes you think you know better than we do? And so oftentimes, the first little while of a CISO engagement, the virtual CISO engagement, is showing what we can do, how quickly we can get it done, and basically how good we are. And I found that in almost all cases, within the first few weeks, certainly within the first month of the engagement, uh, that kind of friction goes away. Of course, some of the other issues are that we find things that they wished we didn't find. We find issues and they say, well, I thought we took care of that last month or last year. And we say, well, it looks like you tried, but this is what happens. So we're sometimes the bearer of bad news. You know, outside of those roles, those, those are the two big roles, really, the virtual CISO and the virtual security director. Uh, we also have the virtual crisis manager, and that's a role that you know, I specifically have been filling uh, during COVID-19 quite often. We've placed these virtual crisis managers across several of those essential businesses that still operated through the work from home environment. And what we saw was, you know, we were used to do everything from developing programs, such as how you do your trace controls, how you're doing your, your emergency response to and COVID-19 diagnosis in your workspace, uh, all the way up to how are you going to bring your people back, developing training programs for them, developing how their office is going to be laid out when they come back to work. That virtual crisis manager, in my experience, has been one of the fastest growing virtual elements that I've seen during COVID-19. Another one that I've seen kind of a big push on, and this is probably across all three of you, would be that virtualization of, of kind of your training are you guys, the three of you, seeing a lot of demand for virtual training? Well, I'll jump in and say that for the virtual CISO, that's absolutely the case. Uh, the via virtual isn't supposed to mean that we're uh, there via Zoom or WebEx or whatever. It's supposed to mean that we're uh, not a full-time employee. But these days with the pandemic, it also means that we're doing everything via a video link rather than being on site. So absolutely for the VC, so that's true today. But in general, I think uh, there are lots of things that we can do with training uh, where we can do it remotely. And in fact, for most organizations, most of their employees are spread out, whether there's a pandemic or not. They're in different offices at different times of day. So a video turns out to be the most effective means to perform that, to do that training. 
the most frequent requests that we have received from Latin America clients regarding virtual trainings are number one, kidnapping training that goes from preventative measures that or appropriate management from the corporate perspective all the way to managing family expectations. The second one, most frequent, is extortion from drug cartels that is very common in the northern regions of Mexico and Colombia. And the third one would be uh, the security manager's training when they have a security guard that has been with them for many years and then they want to get them up to speed uh, to a manager role or a director role. Well, you guys uh, definitely have different requests than what we're seeing a lot of here in North America where we're largely focused on the uh, virtual training for active assailant training for you know COVID-19 return of the office training. Uh, Nick, uh, in uh, EMEA, is it uh, anything different there? Are you guys seeing a lot of requests for virtualization of the training that you're providing? Not so much on the, the training, more on the delivery of the virtual security manager service. Um, what happens is, is while we're delivering the virtual security manager service, there's a knowledge transfer from our, us in EMEA to, to the client's organization. So that knowledge transfer is essentially a training package, and that's what is reflected in how, uh, how developed the security managers become. We've talked about the virtual training. Uh, uh, we're seeing a new trend, I think, in North America where people are looking to virtualize even some of the other services we might have been doing, such as assessments. Are you guys seeing anything in line of virtual assessment, cyber, physical, whatever it may be, from your clients? In EMEA, we're definitely seeing a, 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 an increase in doing virtual security assessments, which is an innovative way to, to, to work through the COVID period. So clients are supporting us and assisting us where we need to observe what's going on at a client site. We're also getting a lot of information uh, sent to us via our clients uh, so we can get a better understanding of our clients' business and our client sites and then we can do the virtual tour with the assistance of our clients. So that's a very regular occurrence now. Michael, are you guys able to do that on the cyber side? Is that a big uh, push for you guys as well, the virtual assessments? Yes, it is. Uh, virtual assessments are uh, the way we have to do it these days because of the pandemic. But in general, virtual assessments are the most uh, a cost-effective way to get things done. And I think this has been some great stuff, gentlemen. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking a bit about your expertise. Uh, we hope to see everybody on the next one. And uh, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.